Hey friends, I just want to invite you to consider joining the Theology Nara Patreon community. This is a group of followers who believe in the ministry and work of Theology Nara and want to support it financially. And honestly, I've been so impacted by the people who have chosen to support this podcast. Um, every month they send in a bunch of questions. A lot of them are really personal and I get to spend time responding to them in a private podcast. And we, you know, we'll message each other throughout the month and post responses to each other's questions. I'm actually going to start something new this fall, a monthly live Zoom chat with some of the members. And I'm super looking forward to actually seeing more of their faces every month. And there's other perks to come up, like a free virtual pass to the Theology Nara Exiles in Babylon conference every year. But honestly, I don't want to make it sound transactional. Every single single Patreon member that I've talked to says the same thing. We like all the perks. Uh, we're thankful for them, but we're just more thankful to support the ministry of theology in the raw, and we're glad to do so. So if this is you, if you've been impacted by Theology in the Raw, you can join the Theology in the Raw community for a minimum of five bucks a month by going to patreon.com forward slash Theology in the Raw. That's patreon.com forward slash Theology in the Raw. The link is in the show notes. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Theology in the Raw. My guest today is uh, pastor and author Max Lucado, who should be well known to, I'm sure, most, if not all of you. In 2004, there was an article in Christianity Today that labeled Max um, America's pastor. And uh, he's written a ton of books, over 50 books, has sold millions and millions and millions of copies, um, and has been a faithful pastor for several decades. Um, so I was really excited when Max reached out and wanted to be on the podcast wanted to be on Theology Raw. Like he wanted to be on Theology Raw. And I was like, no way. I don't want to have Max Cicado on. Just kidding. I was very eager to have Max on. So he has a new book out, Help is Here, Finding Fresh Strength and Purpose in, in the Power of the Holy Spirit. And we did talk about that book. Um, but we also just talked about being a Christian leader for several decades in America. Like what has that been like? What kind of wisdom can he offer us from the position of a seasoned pastor and leader? So please welcome to the show for the first time, the one and only Max Licato. If you don't know the name Max Clayto, then then you might have been under a rock somewhere for quite some time. So, <laughs> I, you know, uh, your publicist reached out to me and said, would you like to have... I, so I had this author named Max Licato. <laughs> would you like to have him on your podcast? And I well, was like, well, of, of course, but I'm sure you would like to be on, you know, more popular ones. And then they said, this is one of the oh, this few was, podcasts this you want to be on. This was my idea, Preston. This was my idea. I, uh, I have admired you from afar. For at least a couple of years, I've deeply appreciated the willingness that you have to tackle some tough topics, mm. and and you lead the way. Uh, I think I think there. I'm 67 years old. That seems <laughs> sounds really old. I don't feel that old, but I feel like my generation was spared some conversations that have to be had right now. That that. It, a younger person says, okay, if you want me to take faith seriously, we got to talk about these things. Right. Yes. And and somehow our generation, my generation, the guys in their 60s and 70s, that kind of came along behind us a little bit. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we suppressed it. Maybe we just denied it. But you're not. You're waiting in. So hmm. I'm turning to you <laughs> to say, okay, how do I think through Issues of sexual identity, uh, LGBTQ questions. Mm -hmm. uh, how do I better respond mm -hmm. 
mm. to even questions of heaven and hell. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, 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 and so thank you. I mm. wanted the opportunity to say thank you because uh, we desperately need you. Mm, uh, wow. Because you, I think your finger is on the pulse of the generation far better than mine is, mm. and and I, I needed the help, and I and I'm appreciative. Yeah, I, I can't tell you how much that means to me. Um, I mean, for so many reasons, I could almost close in prayer right now, and this podcast would be a win in my book. But we, I would let me put it, spin it around too. And I, I know your generation made some mistakes, but also there, there's things my generation and younger need to say, no, the, the boomers took a hard stance on truth and they weren't going to waver. Um, they were committed to the text of scripture. They, um, you know, weren't as, as swayed maybe by certain cultural, uh, phenomena. And so I, I would love to take the boat. I mean, this should be obvious, but sometimes we forget. I mean, we should take the best of each generation, right? I mean, each generation had something they did really well and also had some blind spots, you know? Um, so I, I, uh, I, I don't, I think there can be a, a bit of, is it Lewis said, a chronological snobbery where we think, you know, the, the new is the enlightened and the boomers True. didn't get it and they were all misogynistic or all this stuff. Like, well, yeah. no, hold, hold the phone here. Sure. Yes, there's things we can yeah. learn, but um, there's things we need to take with us from previous generations too. So thank you for being uh-huh. faithful. I, I, I joked that kind of offline, but I was excited to have you on. You've pastored for I don't know, what, at least four decades well since 79 79 yeah you've been through (laughs) my word so many things and you're still i think love jesus still faithful to the gospel still pastoring what's i have so many questions on that um i guess let me frame it let me begin like, like this we it seems like we are living in a very very uniquely intense cultural moment would you agree with that? Or do you feel like we've been in a similar place before in your time of ministry? I know it's a broad question, but I think you kind of know what I'm getting. Well, yeah, here, here's the bottom line thought that I have. I think, uh, we have long since exited that era in which it's cool to be a Christian. Okay. Okay. And that's okay with me. We don't want to be in an era in which it's culturally accepted mm. to be a Christian. When we, when we have, as we have been coming out of that, it has forced many of us to take our faith more seriously. Mm. If you're in a culture that says, you know, we need you to be a Christian before we're going to, you know, hire you or right. uh, accept you, then then it creates that cultural Christian. Hmm. What 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 I'm seeing happening is that it is taking its toll as far as just people who call themselves Christians, but those who do call themselves Christians, uh, I think have have a, a more steadfast faith. They've they've worked it through. They've you know fought the moral questions that come with that, and they're willing to pay a price. Mm-hmm. So is that too bit rambling of an answer? No, I, I, I would imagine you probably traveled the world, right? I mean, it's there is something sweet and, and difficult, obviously, but really special in, in countries where it's, like you said, it's not cool to be a Christian. I hear what a, you're saying. There's a vibrancy and authenticity. And, yeah. and you always come back, right? You come back from mission trips or whatever, like, oh, I... I wish I had. Then you go to church. It just feels a little flat and stale. No, I, and I hear you. I hear I, you. 
not that we would invite persecution or, you know, we want everybody to get saved. Um, but as we are moving into a post-Christian culture, there is, there could be a, a healthy refining on the other side. Is that kind of what you're starting I, I to I remember see? this golly, uh, it's probably been 15 years since I, I made a trip to Beijing. Mm. And they treated me like a king. I mean, the Christians here, you would have thought I was a pope or something. I mean, they just were so kind to me. But as I heard their stories, I just wanted to weep. Mm. I thought, would I be a Christian here? Mm. Would I? You know, what they lost, what they were willing to sacrifice. You're absolutely Mm. right. There is a vibrancy to their faith Mm -hmm. in a place like China that— I didn't, I, I'd never have had to develop. Wow. Yeah. You're in, how long have you been in San Antonio? Is that your whole ministry career or? Okay. Uh, no, sir. I uh, moved here in 1988. Okay. 1988. And uh, I, I'm i no longer senior pastor of the church. I'm, I'm what we call, about three years ago, I transitioned into a role called teaching pastor. Uh, and that means that I I help with the preaching specifically. I preach 20 times a year okay. and, uh, but I don't do, I don't head up the staff or, uh, do anything like that anymore. That's like a dream. It's, That's it's, a dream job. It's, right? it's, it's a dream job. It is. It is. It is. We've got a, uh, Travis Eads is our new senior pastor. Well, new in the last three years, he came in pre COVID poor guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> he's just great. He's 42, 43 mm-hmm. and the church is in great hands. So, yeah. so when you talk about kind of moving into a post-Christian culture, it's not, not no longer cool to be a Christian. You're, you're speaking that from Texas. I mean, the assumption is, well, it's still cool and hip to be a Christian in Texas for people that aren't in Texas. But are you saying even in San Antonio? I mean, it, you're you're seeing the same kind of movement that we see I'm, elsewhere. I'm, I'm seeing that now. We still have mega churches, sure. you know, but denominational alliances are no more. Okay. Okay. Uh, nobody says, okay, I'm going to move to San Antonio and always go to a Baptist church. That's not going to happen because. Uh, just the fact that I'm going to go to a Christian church is the is the big step. And so I think it's healthy. I, I thought that I grew up in it. I don't want to go into my whole story. My whole yeah. story is really a mess. I was a drunk. Huh. I was a womanizer. I was a troublemaker. I was the guy you did not want your daughter to go out with in college. Huh. But when the Lord finally got my and I became, I came to trust the grace of God. I, I stepped into a world that was very polarized between you were a Presbyterian Christian, you were a Baptist Christian, you were a Catholic Christian, you're Episcopalian Christian. And I think that hmm. yeah, I, I, I'm certainly not the cultural expert that you are, but I, I sense that that has diminished hmm. a lot. Hmm. And, and really what matters is, do you believe in the death, burial and resurrection of Christ? And, right. Yeah. I experienced yeah. that probably for the first time when I was I went to Scotland to study for my PhD, and you know Scotland, not, you know, for like like the most of Europe is very post Christian culture. There, yeah. there, there's a there's a you know there's a state, for lack of better terms, a kind of a state church there, but not a lot of gospel centered churches. And so in, in Aberdeen, where I was at, you know, there were you know at least half a dozen, maybe 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 ten or so at the time, you know, gospel centered churches, and they were all across denominational lines and they didn't care. They didn't care. Like, Oh, you're preaching the gospel too. So are we, you know, 
you yeah. baptize converts, we baptize babies, whatever. It's like uh, all these things are That's not right. important, but yeah. man, there's a yeah. unity around the gospel. And I, I just, I just, that was so refreshing to me because I came well, from a very healing. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, you can keep the main thing, the main thing, easier. Yeah, when it's when you really are outnumbered. So I, I what's I want to know what the secret is <laughs> in the midst of pastors deconstructing, burning out, battling with depression, suicide, anxiety, um, affairs, promiscuity, uh, greed, addiction. How have you done this for so long and still maintained some? I'm sure you'd say I have my skeletons and faults and stuff, but you're not on the news because you. <laughs> you uh, know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I won't fill in the blank there, you know. But um, yeah, what's the yeah. secret? What, what have you felt like looking back that you have done? Not that obviously because of the spirit in you, but are there are there certain ecclesiological decisions you made to help prevent these kind of very common? Uh, failures that pastors have faced. Not just failures. I mean, burnout might not be a failure, but just... Oh, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Immediately, names bubble up in my mind of colleagues of my Mm -hmm. era that I'm just brokenhearted, over whom I'm brokenhearted. And then I think of others who have done well and are Mm -hmm. finishing well, you know, whose whose final mile is going to be their best mile. And Mm. uh, boy, I'm so thankful for them. That's this is one of those questions, Preston, that's almost like I'm afraid to answer because what if I screw it up? <laughs> you know, to, I mean, to be honest, I think I don't want to mess things up. I, I, I will say this I have a deep, deep gratitude to Jesus for saving me. I'm, I'm a, I did not deserve the life that I've been given. And I have a healthy fear, a healthy fear Hmm. of staining the reputation of the church. Hmm. I I get that. And, and I just, I I think I I would just go into Elijah's cave and never come out Hmm. if, if I did something that brought embarrassment Mm -hmm. uh, to the church. And I realized that it, for whatever reason, God called me, I think mainly through writing so many books, mm-hmm. to be a, a, somewhat of a well-known person. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what, man, I'm a sinner, and, and, and I have a sin nature, and uh, it, it, I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit. I know I'm going to heaven, but boy, I, I sniffed the sulfur of mm-hmm. the devil. It seems like all the time, you know, uh, I, I don't, I, I keep every, every device I have, I have every filter I can buy. I, I don't want to ever be in a room where I'm two clicks away from the picture of a naked woman. Wow. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I've got to guard the alcohol intake hmm. because I was a drunk, hmm. uh, I was, I was a disciple of Coors before I was a disciple of Christ. <laughs> uh, and so I, I drink, but I've got to be careful. Mm-hmm. And there have been occasions, mm-hmm. and I've been real upfront mm-hmm. with our church about one time in particular mm-hmm. when I started uh, drinking too much. Okay. And and so those are the those are the kind of the kind of the two access points. I think that the the, the devil 
I, I really believe I'm eternally secure. Mm-hmm. I really believe I'm going to heaven, mm-hmm. but I really believe that you can be King David and blow it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I, I, I think that's about all the wisdom I've got on that topic yeah, is yeah. that I'm just grateful to God that he saved me and I pray, I ask you to pray for me and I'll pray for you that we finish strong. That's so good. Well, so, I mean, that's pretty refreshingly shocking to hear you be so open and honest, especially a high profile person, big church to you know, be honest with you. I, I learned early. It's hard to, it's hard to put on, put up a front. It's exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting. It's exhausting. Yeah, I learned earlier. And so if you come up and say, Hey, Locato, I hear that you, you know, you, I, 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 I can't say I was an alcoholic. That would be wrong. Cause I, I know that, but I was a heavy drinker. Okay. So you come up and say, Locato, I hear that you used to really knock him down. I say, man, I can tell you I, I, that's, that's been out in the open forever. Okay. I don't want anything. To, there's not anything that that's hidden. Yeah. The Lord has protected my marriage. The Lord has protected my financial integrity. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lord has protected, uh, our church, uh, you know, from any major crisis. And so not because of me though. I know, um, did you did you put up like accountability structures or just do you, did you make sure you cultivated just healthy friendship in the midst of all your ministry yeah. relationships or uh, our our um, church has a real strong elder board we okay. always have it, it's not a senior pastor uh, prototypical church where I could make big decisions on behalf of the church. And and I like that. Mm-hmm. I, 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 would, I think our senior pastor can, I think, according to our bylaws, I'll be honest, I'm not sure what it is. It may be up to $100,000 mm-hmm. uh, I could spend. Now, that sounds like a lot, but mm-hmm. it's a bit, it's somewhat a healthy budget. Mm-hmm. But most of the decisions I would, ha- I would make would have to be made in conjunction with elders. Okay. That, that keeps me from just freewheeling. And it seems to me that some of the trouble that happens is when a pastor is just given a, a checkbook okay. or, or given complete authority. And, and you know this, brother, when somebody starts calling you pastor, yeah. or they start calling you reverend, you start thinking you're special. You start believing it. Yeah. yeah. You start believing yeah. it. And, yeah. and you got to set up some things. And, and, and then also I've got a good friend uh, who travels with me everywhere I go. Okay. And, uh, I, don't, I never go on a trip by myself. I, I, I never uh, have a closed door meeting with a female. Okay. Not out of disrespect. I've mm-hmm. gotten in trouble even for saying that. But yeah. if, if I'm meeting with a female, I keep the door open. Yeah. And my assistant is just right outside the door. So so little things like that that, mm-hmm. that have proven to be real helpful. Yeah, yeah. Wow. What, what did you make of the last couple of years? I mean, how, how do you reflect on the pandemic and even the divisions that obviously political divisions, cultural divisions, but that trickled down into the church and the church, every pastor I talked to said, this has been one one of the most difficult two years of discipleship that I've experienced. And it had little to do with theology. It was all these culture wars that the church has, has engaged in. Did you experience that where you're at and how'd you navigate that? Well, I conveniently resigned right before COVID. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Good timing. laughs> um, no, seriously. I mean, I, yeah. I really was spared. 
that was a, that's a rough thing. But that's you still a had a front row seat to. I mean, you were still yes, involved. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, brother, I, I'm cons- oh. <laughs> I don't know how much to say. You know, I I just don't like how closely evangelicals have aligned themselves with uh, the far right mm-hmm. politically. I. I I know I'm going to get a bunch of emails, so I'm just kind of bracing myself. But uh, not as many as I, I'll get. <laughs> I, not as many as you get. I, 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 I'm very concerned that people who are seeking Christ might of not pursue Christ because we've been so vocal mm-hmm. on secondary issues. Okay, is that a fair? Let me share a quick illustration that I think you're okay. What you're getting at this is like right in the. Once churches started opening up, I had a friend that was uh, witnessing to her neighbor and really sharing Jesus, and the friend had a spiritual interest. And finally, she said, "Hey, would you like to come to church once you know next Sunday?" And the friend says, "Yeah, sure, I'll I'll come." Well, it turns out the last second she couldn't come, so my Christian friend, you know, still goes to church. It turned out to be such a blatant far right kind of political speech, very anti Democrat, making fun, mocking. And my friend, my Christian friend, who's been witnessing to this non-Christian, said, "I'm so thankful that my Christian, my non-Christian friend didn't come, because they're a Democrat, and they would yeah. have had the impression that I'm an idiot. Um, no. To be a Christian is to be Republican and everything." And she just kind of like, "What do I do with this? That I'm, I'm so glad that my non-Christian Democrat friend didn't come to church because of the way." Politics were spewed all over the place, you know. And I'm like, "That, that's, that's you. Like that, like, can't we see that that?" It's not okay. Like who could say, yes, that's how we should be doing the kingdom. You know, like that just doesn't, yeah. but that, that's yeah. not uncommon, that kind of experience, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I'm just going to say the big, the big message of the church is the kingdom message. It, and, and that is that God is equipping a population of people to reign with him forever for mm-hmm. eternity. Mm-hmm. That's the big story. That's the big story. And that he has made provision. He has provided his Holy Spirit to strengthen us. He's provided the scripture to guide us. He sent his son to die for us. These are the big rocks Mm -hmm. of the gospel. And I don't know if we can afford the luxury of discussing things that are secondary to these. You know, we we want to be known as as people who who love the marginalized, Mm -hmm. who care for the poor, Mm -hmm. who, who would die for the people for whom our savior died. So that's the concern yeah, that I yeah. have. Um, we've got, we got to keep the big thing, right, the right. big thing. I'm, I'm curious. What are the last things I saw you write other than the book publicly? And then I could have missed a whole slew of other things, but was in 2016 when you were fairly outspoken that against Trump um, as a kind of, what was becoming yeah. almost like a Christian icon, you know, like, um, yeah, and I didn't hear you. Yeah. Necess- well, I had to go back and read it. You definitely weren't well, like saying you shouldn't be Republican, shouldn't vote a certain direction, but it was almost just like, what are we idolizing somebody? It was almost a, a quasi Christian icon that is not at all representing kingdom values. Is that yeah. a, a summary of yeah, your article? That, and and that, then what was the was a, what was the response like was, from that? <laughs> yeah, that was a blog. Uh, it was <laughs> okay. called it was called Decency for President. And uh, the response was it broke our uh, 
what do you call it? Our web, our, our web crashed. It was, we had so many emails come in from that. Um, oh my gosh. And, wow. and uh, uh, yeah, I was just saying that uh, we should even hold a, a person who's going to be a candidate for president to a high moral standard. Mm. And as Christians, we should get behind. I was deeply concerned mm. for so many people. But that, that, that issue has yet to be resolved, yeah. yet to be yeah. resolved. It has not. Uh, I still I still believe we should hold our leaders to to high integrity. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. uh, so it's been a rough, rough few years yeah. uh, for yeah. that. I didn't stay in that fray, though. I, yeah. I really kind of, I said, OK, I've, I've, I've made my you know, I've made my contribution mm-hmm. and I have dear friends, Preston, mm-hmm. and men and women with whom I've served forever, who have served on the president's council. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. so we have different opinions on that, and that's okay, but yeah. it is, it's yeah. what it's what I did. Is your church pretty, <laughs> like, how would no, you describe, we're not. yeah, okay. Nope, no, we're not, no, okay. we're not. Uh, now, uh, there are plenty of churches in this area that are. Sure. Maybe I kind of set the temperature by writing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about your book. So you got another, how many books? Is this number 30 something or 20 something? Um, help us here finding fresh strength and purpose in the power of the Holy Spirit coming out September uh, 13th, I believe. Um, yeah. What number is yeah. this? Uh, I think it's close to 50. Oh, 50. I, think, I think it's, yeah, that's all right. Some people go with quality. I just stick with quantity. <laughs> I looked up online just prior to this interview, like the number of copies sold. If you add up all your books, it's in the hundred millions or some crazy number. Yeah. Yeah. And can you believe, you know, that, that it's just, you know, the story in the Bible about Balaam's ass. Remember the donkey that God spoke through Balaam's ass? I'm in the Balaam's ass fraternity. <laughs> if, if God could speak through somebody like me, I, I, you know what? I, uh, I love to write. I do. Do you? Okay. Yeah. I, 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 I really enjoy writing. I like the process of mm. writing. And so I've enjoyed it. I don't consider myself, uh, I, I would look at you as a scholar, mm-hmm. uh, seriously, as a, as a person who can really tackle any topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 I don't put myself there. Mm-hmm. I'm a popular, uh, I'm a, I don't know, a James Mishner <laughs> historian. <laughs> you know, I, I admire people like you. Mm-hmm. I hold you in such high regard. And I go and I pull your books down and I try to glean just one <laughs> or two thoughts. And, and, uh, and so, but I do like to write books for people who don't like to read books. That's okay. kind of been my mantra. Right. And so, and so, um, that, that being a pastor has served me well in that way, because I, I, that's the kind of people yeah. that go to church by and large. There are yeah. some serious students, but most of the people yeah. are, don't, are not big book readers. And so I try to write to okay. that audience. Do, do your books grow out of like a sermon series you did? Is yes, that pretty sir. typical? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Always, okay. always. Yeah. This, this sermon, this book on the Holy Spirit uh, grew out of a series of sermons I did uh, based on the metaphors of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, Okay, uh, like wind, fire, oil. Uh, and, and so I, I realized that there are many metaphors and I thought this would be a great way to study the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I had never 
had done an extensive series okay. with our church. And so I did using the metaphors and it, and it went over well. Mm-hmm. So what did you discover yeah. in, the, in the process of either sermon writing, preaching or, or writing? Uh, what did you learn that maybe you hadn't, maybe not, not known before, but just maybe haven't appreciated or fully understood? I learned that the Holy Spirit cannot be explained or contained. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so that, that that's a little intimidating, right? Then why am I going to try to write a book on it? But but that's wonderful. That's hmm. the beauty of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like these pictures we're seeing from the Webb telescope, you know. We're hmm. realizing just how immense this world is. Hmm. And to think that the creator of this world uh, cares about someone like like Lakato is it's just a, a wonderful thing. So I, I learned that the Holy Spirit cannot be explained or contained, but the Holy Spirit is truly our ally, our friend. And 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 nobody of course understands the spirit more than Jesus. Mm-hmm. And Jesus presented him to us as our helper right. in John 14. And so uh I have found that to be true in my life and found it to be extremely encouraging to people yeah. to know the Holy Spirit is here as our helper. One of my favorite series of passages or statements on the Holy Spirit is in primarily Luke's gospel and well, in Acts. Well, there's a few statements where it talks about Jesus being dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Like there's a phrase, I think it's in Luke 5, where it says the Spirit was present with Jesus to perform miracles or something, you know, and there's yeah. a few statements yeah. like that. Like by even yeah. Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit was able to do right. these things. Cause sometimes right. we think Jesus just kind of like waltz through life. Cause he's God. Well, and, it's like, and it, it, even Jesus was led into this wilderness right. by the Holy Spirit. Right. Well, right. Then what, what does that mean? So <laughs> there's this interplay huh. uh, between the, the, the three persons of the, of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Beautiful thing. The one verse I don't know what to do with is, I think it's John fourteen twelve. Greater works, well, they, I'm, I'm going to misquote it. Basically I hear saying- what, I know what you're saying. Yeah, that you will do greater works than- the, Than these. Yeah. You, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. And it's like, because you'll have the Holy Spirit. I And, and part of me is like, that, that can't be totally literal, can it? I mean, greater works than Jesus. But even, even if he's speaking hyperbolically on some level, that's still profound, like- greater works will believers do by the power of the Holy Spirit than what Jesus did? Or, I mean, have you, have you made sense of that? Pat? I'm going to look it up just so I... Well, uh, Preston, let me, <laughs> let's, let's come at it from your ministry. Okay. You have a wonderful podcast. It's a wonderful ministry. I don't know how many downloads or listens you have, but it's in the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, 20 to 30,000 per episode. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's a Texas, freeze, it's a Texas can, can mid-sized we, church, basically. <laughs> okay. But can we freeze frame that right there? Okay. Yeah. So 20 to 30,000 people. How many people listened to Jesus in person preach the Sermon on the Mount? Hmm. Three or 4,000, hmm. maybe 5,000. Maybe he fed the day he fed the 5,000 men plus women and children. Maybe he had an audience one time of the audience you have. Hmm. Every time. Wow. That that's how much he loves you. That he would say, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let my son Preston even outdo me here. Now we know <laughs> we know he's the one doing the work. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We know if he just 
wanted to clear his throat right now from the throne in heaven, yeah. you know, several, all billions of people would turn their attention. Right. But he he's really lets us be his ambassadors. Yeah. Really lets us be the aroma of Christ. One thing that's, that, how, that's yeah, that, that's, I've never thought that puts it in perspective. <laughs> kind of scary. <laughs> I, I've always been, I've always been shocked at like the age of Jesus. So I'm 46. Well, I think back when I was 30, even now, like when I look at a 30 year old, I'm like, ah, you're just a kid. You know, <laughs> like Jesus was 30 years old or 27 or however you date. You know, I'm, I know there's debates about that's it, was, it wasn't an, I know in that culture that might have been, you know, seen as older than it would be today. But I'm like, wow, that's, that's he did young. a lot. He yeah. did a lot real fast. All all I have three kids. The youngest is 34. OK, so they've yeah. all outlived Jesus. <laughs> Your so. kids are older than Jesus. Yeah. Wow. I know you're not supposed to ask authors this, but do, do you have a like a favorite book that you've written or one that you just it feels for whatever reason dear to your heart? I do. I do. You know, I've written a lot of children's books. I don't know if you knew that. I or did. Not, yeah, I, I did. A lot hear of children's that. books. Yeah, yeah. I wrote a children's book called You Are Special. Huh. And and it's a story about these wooden people who live in a land where everybody gives each other stars and dots. You get a star every time you do something good. You get a dot every time you do something bad. And so people are, you know, it's people are walking around grading each other. Uh, and uh, there are some people who have lots of stars. And there are some people who have so many dots that people come up and just give them a dot because they have dots. <laughs> and there's this one a wooden person like that. His name is Punchinello. He's got dots all over him. And he meets this other little wooden person named Lucia. She doesn't have stars or dots. Hmm. And he says, why don't you have any stars or dots? She says, because every day I go talk to Eli, the woodcarver, and he tells me I'm special. So I don't, it's, I, all stars and dots fall. Well, you can see the application of this yeah. quickly, right? Preston, uh, it's a it's a story on on esteem on trusting our maker's opinion of us hmm. rather than others, hmm. and there are two reasons I love that book. Number one, uh, it's gone all over the world. It's been in at thirty or forty languages. It's everywhere because it never mentions God. It's oh. it's just a it's just huh. a, a, a a parable. Okay, hmm. so it's acceptable in, all over the world. And number two, and you'll get a kick out of this, I wrote it to finish a deadline. I had promised a publisher seven children's <laughs> books, seven children's stories. Oh my gosh. Uh, they, they got in touch with me. This is pre-email days, long time ago, but they called me on a Monday and said, don't forget you have a story due on Wednesday. <laughs> oh my word. I said, I've already sent you seven. They said, no, you sent a six. <laughs> I said, you're kidding. And they said, yeah, we got to have it Wednesday. Well, I'm a pastor. I, I had meetings. I had sermon to prepare. And I said, I don't have time. So I just locked the door to my office and I said, I've got about an hour here. No and I way. took out my legal pad and I put that story together. Uh, uh, and I've always kind of liked that. God's kindness says, okay, well, at least you honored your commitment and, I, and I'll smile upon that. Yeah. So that's, that's my, that's my story. Wow. That's my story that's about wild. my story. How about, um, <laughs> it's wild. And what, 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 did you have a certain book that just really took off and put your name on the map as a, as a writer? Was it your first one or was there one that was early it, on? It, it would, 
It would be the second one. It okay. was called No Wonder They Call Him the Savior. Oh, yeah, of course. And, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that one, uh, you talk about a guy who's been faithful all these years, Charles Swindoll. Yeah. Uh, read that and uh, used it uh, as a premium on his radio program oh. way back in 1986, 87. You, there's a guy hmm. who has been faithful. Yeah. There's a guy. Yeah. yeah. He has run the race and continues to do so. And so when he did that, when he kind of put his imprimatur on it, that, that really helped that. Yeah. Hey, can I, can, yeah. can I turn things here for just sure. a second? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, you're going to go on a sabbatical. Yeah. And, and study, uh, about the role of women. Yeah. Okay. I, I want to hear more about that. Okay. Why you're intrigued by that. But then also I want to hear if you had two sabbaticals, what your other subject would oh, be. Yeah. Because I'm looking <laughs> to tell you what I would study if I could go on a sabbatical. Okay. Yeah. So, 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 but first I want to hear why the role of women, is it okay for me to ask you? A Absolutely. I, I, okay. I'm an open book. I'm an open book. I, okay. um, oh, yeah. Okay. Max Lucado interviewing me on Theology and Raw. This is, this is, uh, <laughs> this is one for the books. It's fun. It's fun. <laughs> I love it. I'll, I'll keep this really short. I was raised uh, very, very, very strongly complementarian. That was the environment I grew up in. Like you're, if if you don't believe complementarianism, you're you're obviously a feminist. Might not be a Christian. Obviously, don't read the Bible, kind of thing. And yet, it was during my PhD program when I was studying with twenty five different evangelicals from twenty four different denominations, and I think I might have been the only one who was a complementarian. So here I am rubbing shoulders with all these people that love Jesus, love the Bible, are just super exegetically oriented. And a lot of them, you know, hold to women in ministry. So some were more thought out than others. But, you know, I was like, wow, so the you're not just throwing the Bible out the window if you um, hold to this view. And so over the years, as I've just dabbled in it, you know, read this article, read this chapter, listened to this, you know, lecture or whatever, I, I just realized that every time I heard something, I'm like, oh, so this is more complicated than I thought. Oh, this, you know, there's some Greek words in First Timothy 2 that I need to understand. Um, there's some stuff going on in First Corinthians that is strange. You know, women be silent. But then earlier he said, when you're prophesying, you know, wear a head yeah, covering. Yeah. So there's just, the, the every it's time not, I kind of glance at it. It's not as cut and dry. No, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so over the year, over the last, I would say in the last 10 years, I've kind of told people, you know what? I haven't studied this issue well enough on my own. So when people ask me my view, I say, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm legitimately on the fence. I grew up with this. I still see good arguments for, for that, but then I also see good arguments for the other side. So I've always said like, man, I wish I can just get away <laughs> and read. Cause there's dozens of, if not hundreds of books written on it. So I'm like, yeah. I just like to be really thorough in my research. I really want to think through every possible argument the best case for each side so that I can have an informed, uh, informed opinion. So while well, my, my board granted me a sabbatical and, and we have some funding to kind of really release me to, to do this. So it really is, um, it's a personal curiosity. And also it would be probably the number one question that people that follow my work ask me. Hey, so what do you think about this topic? Mm. And also as I'm now reading, I read, you know, at least a dozen books on it so far. And, I'm not impressed always with the tone of mm. some of these books. 
And I wonder if, because I always, you know, I think like, what would be my contributions? There's been so much written on it. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm wondering, maybe my contribution would be wherever I end up landing, because landing, I really don't know at this point, maybe modeling, hopefully maybe a better way of, of, of going about it, like mm-hmm. representing the other side, whatever that is, as best as you can, um, not importing evil motives on somebody else that yeah. lands in a different view. Um and being able to like foster unity maybe around, uh, um, and I don't want to say it's not an important, it's a very important issue, but I can say right now it's complex enough that, you know, I, I think we can have respect for another view while disagreeing with it. So Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what does that look like for you in terms of a sabbatical? How does that work? Do well, yeah. Um, to my, a cabin in the woods? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I, for me to have, there's layers of sabbatical for me. I need to get out of my, the best case scenario is out of the country. If I'm in the country, I, I just feel like I'm still answering emails, doing stuff. So I will get away for a couple months with my family to another country close to a theological library that I can use. So I'm just, will completely check out, but really from now until through the rest of 2022, I'm largely focusing on this project. And then, I mean, it'll take, I'm not going to finish it in in half a year, but um, I'll have gotten a good chunk of writing done. So I'm saying no to all speaking engagements, um, saying no to any non-essential right now. So um, yeah, I have to get away. It's so hard. I I try to, I do build writing rhythms in my work week, but I get so much done when I get away, Mm -hmm. turn off the internet and just, Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll stay up until one time I went to England for a week by myself and I never got off jet lag. Like I would, <laughs> I would wake up at noon, <laughs> right yeah. until like five in the morning, go to sleep. And like, <laughs> when I came home, I never had to adjust. It was just like, yeah. and I just, yeah. you know, you're in the flow and I just, I get so much done yeah. when I'm in that kind of space. So, yeah. yeah. Um, is it, you, you must build in writing, writing rhythms in your routine. Cause there's no way you could write that many books without, well, again, if you just do quantity and not quality, it's amazing <laughs> what all you can get done. <laughs> yeah, I would beg to differ, but yeah, I, yeah, yeah. If you can get away and and have space okay, but I want to hear your number oh, two. I want to hear your number two. You know, two. I and, and this is something that I probably will write. I would love to write a short book on a Christian political identity, not on politics. I'm not political scientists, but if you read, like, what does the Bible tell us about how followers of Christ should think of their political identity against the backdrop of Babylon, Persia, Rome? I I, I think the Bible actually, a lot of the Bible is written as an an oppressed, from the perspective of an oppressed exile Yes, against the backdrop of these political entities. And I just wonder if we have given too much allegiance to some of these powers to be. And I know there's a history. There is a reason why that, and I'm, I'm, of course we would maybe resonate with the values of maybe one party more than the other. And I I get that, but I just see some such deep allegiances being tied. And I'm like, I just think that conflicts with kind of a, uh, the storyline of scripture. So that's something I would love to think through. Um, I got a bunch of others. Yeah. So many ideas. I can't, I just, <laughs> yeah. What about you? What would the, would, would it be, was it the Quaker religion? Didn't the Quakers really teach us to kind of disassociate from government 
I think I know the Mennonites did, and, and Mennonites yeah. I think came from Quake. I think the Quakers did too. Yeah, I, I, I should probably know that. But when you yeah. when you say that, I think of Elton Trueblood. It seemed to me that huh. he did some good writing on that yeah. topic. Yeah. yeah, I would love a sabbatical and uh, come to a resolution about my interpretation of end times. Oh yeah, yeah. I grew up. Uh, well, of course, I grew up a pagan. But but I, I I so I didn't have my end times was a six pack. Uh, the teaching I was exposed to when I became a Christian was all millennial. Okay, and so I just assumed uh, assumed that. Okay, as I as I began to you know minister and read books and make some friends, uh, I realized that there, there's a pretty good case for premillennialism. Mm-hmm more of a dispensational okay. uh, approach to scripture rather than covenant theology. Okay. And I don't feel like I've ever uh, sat back and said, okay, look, Hato, not, not that one, like, it's kind of like what you're going to study. Not that, you know, it's a, a core issue, yeah. uh, but it's an important issue. Yeah. And so I've, I've gradually moved over to where I, I really believe there'll be a, a, a millennial kingdom. Okay, and and that that was kind of a major shift for me. Okay, and I and I did I did spend about two or three weeks about a year ago. Okay, reading a, a a small stack of books. Okay, that led led me to to believe that, but I still haven't quite thought it all through. Right, and and I think I think Preston, I'm just genuinely curious. Yeah, yeah, and maybe that comes from being 67 years old. <laughs> um, you know, and and realizing what is next, what, yeah. what's going to happen. Well, it, I get genuinely excited to to know. I get I'm curious. Yeah. And as you know, I mean, throughout the New Testament, eschatology informs ethics. Like how we think through the future yeah. does have an impact on how yeah. we live today. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. I, remember, I I did some reading early on on that, and then just got busy with with other things. I remember I really appreciate because I, I actually probably was raised the opposite, very dispensational, and then now uh-huh. I don't even I did I don't even know where. I, Maybe more, but I, it's some of the terms I think are hard for me. Like when I read historic premillennial, like a George Ladd or some other covenant guys, I'm like, man, there, there's, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of difference here. At least a lot of overlap. And are we using terms kind of yeah. differently or I don't know. It's, it's, it's sometimes yeah. it's tough to yeah. sort yeah. out. Part, part of the challenge is number one, understanding the terms. And then number two, yeah. just defining the terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Because there's... Yeah. But I, I I would like to I think I think dig into that just a little bit more. Something you said about your study, what motivates you on the role of women? Yeah. You want to write a, a create a project that's got a nice tone to it. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes when I read end times books, they seem <laughs> like they know more about the return of Christ than Christ does, <laughs> <laughs> and they, they're so authoritative, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, not all of them are, but some of them are just kind of, oh my goodness. You mean if I disagree with you, you're going to slug me? <laughs> and so it, it's not, it's not that, but, uh, yeah. And at know. times is another there, one where you have good, solid evangelical yeah, exegetical no theologians who are laying no on different sides, you know, um, there, DTS has a professor named Mark Hitchcock. Oh yeah. And, and he, he's, he's written a book called, I think it's just called the end. Okay. Uh, but it was very helpful. Okay. It was a very, and really a, a nice, I would really recommend it as a, now he's, he's, uh, 
dispensational okay. theolo- theologian, okay. but uh, but really respectfully yeah. written. Yeah. Oh, that's good. We're coming up uh, on the end of our time, Max, but okay. I, I would love to give you uh, free reign. What would you like to say to the—I won't say American Evangelical Church, but I, gotta, I have a lot of international listeners too. So what word of encouragement slash challenge would you like to give to the people listening? Well, first of all, thank you again. Mm-hmm. Thank you again. Uh, you listeners really need to know I solicited this interview. <laughs> I did. Today did, is interview did. day. I do. When a new book comes out, we clear four or five days and I just stack them up one after the other. Mm-hmm. And I told my mark, uh, the precious Jana, who does my yeah. marketing, oh, yeah. I, I said, what about, what about theology in the raw? Why don't you ever? <laughs> and she said, well, I'll call them. I said, yeah, I do. So I solicited this wow. and, and I, I do want to thank you, my friend, uh, thank you. for for what you do, and may God's richest blessings be upon you. Yeah. And to all of you, I, I, w- I would just want you to, to think about how the Holy Spirit is your intercessor. Mm-hmm. I love this picture. Uh, the Apostle Paul said, we do not know how to pray as we ought. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Paul, for making that confession. Because <laughs> if you don't know how to pray as you ought, I don't know how to pray as I ought. But we have the Holy Spirit who uh, intercedes for us uh, and groans too deep for words. And I take that to mean that uh, some of you are passing through hard times and you don't know how to pray. You're so tired. Maybe you don't have the energy to pray, but be assured your prayers are being heard mm. because mm. the Holy Spirit is your advocate, your intercessor, and your friend. Mm. And uh, what's uttered in the dark of the night is heard in the joy of the light in the presence of God. Oh, it's so good. The book is uh, Help is Here, Finding Fresh Strength and Purpose uh, in the Power of the Holy Spirit, released September 13th, which I'm pretty sure this podcast, we're pre-recording it, will be released within a day or two um, Wonderful. Of, of the book. So it, I'm sure it's available by the time they're actually listening to this. Max, it's great getting to know you. Uh, next time I'm Thank in you, San Antonio, sir. would uh, love to... Uh, Go out there with the best barbecue place down there you can find and uh, sample some Texas. Uh, we got some good there. options. I we know you do. <laughs> I'm a little jealous. <laughs> Thanks so much for being uh, on the show, Max. Really appreciate it. Okay. All the best. God bless. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network.